at the Center for Wireless Communications here at the Jacobs School of Engineering on the UC campus, San Diego. And it is my pleasure to introduce you to Gene Dancer, who is the Director of Business Development at a company called Qualcomm Life. Hey, Gene. Hello. Good to meet you. Good to meet you. Thanks for spending some time with us today. So we're at the 5G Forum here, the Connected Health uh, workshop that's fronting the forum. Talk a little bit about you, what you're doing over at Qualcomm Life, and what's your message here in the uh, implications of 5G for Connected Health? Sure. 5G means different things to different people, but broadly speaking, it's three things. It's uh, massive data pipelines, uh, very high broadband uh, type, type of communications. Two, it's very low latency. And three, it's a, a mass of devices. Maybe devices as many as 100x the human population of the planet. So all three of those things meet or intercept with use cases that are appropriate to the healthcare markets. The latter, the one that has to do with the proliferation of medical devices, we call it the Internet of Medical Things, is where 5G intercepts with uh, healthcare in a way that Qualcomm Life is very active in. So would, would this include medical grade stuff or is this sort of sensor, uh, phone based, uh, cell phone based stuff? So we actually focus very much on the medical grade devices, although we cover the entire ecosystem. We have a large ecosystem called TuNet, which encompasses uh, 150 plus devices right now and it's rapidly growing. Most of them are medical grade in the sense that they have been FDA cleared in some capacity and they provide medically meaningful digital data that are appropriate for the use for the medical use case and the business model that renders that data. So here in San Diego everyone knows it must have 100% brand recognition Qualcomm. What's Qualcomm Life up to? Qualcomm Life is involved in several aspects of healthcare, of, of, of digital healthcare. I can name a few that are, I think, pretty interesting. One is we simply connect medic medical data to the cloud. That data can come from a variety of sources. It can come from the patient, come from medical devices connected to the patient, it can come from sources other than medical devices, such as electronic medical records and so on. We call that ecosystem TuNet, and that's the one I referred to earlier. It basically is the one that keeps growing all the time as we add more and more medical devices to our family of devices, if you will. The other one is we've recently completed an acquisition of a company called Capsule Technology, which does similar things but in hospitals. So basically, Capsule Tech has a platform for connecting a very large number of medical devices that are used in hospitals to the EMR of the hospital, thereby allowing the data to flawless to so seamlessly flow from the devices that generate it and to the EMR where the data ultimately needs to go under meaningful use. It sounds B2B or B2B enterprise mostly, not necessarily uh, consumer facing, or am I missing something? So most of our work is B2B. Most of our customers are providers, uh, pharmaceutical companies, uh, deployers of medical solutions, home-grade medical, solu medical grade home solutions that are used for remote patient monitoring. Uh, the aspects of our work that does touch consumers is in the form of connected therapies. And again, it's a B2B model for us, but what we do is we help pharmaceutical companies uh, render their previously unconnected drug delivery devices or drugs into connected versions of themselves. Recently made an announcement, for example, was Novartis, whereby we're connecting their um, inhalers uh, 
turning those inhalers into connected versions of inhalers in such a way that every time a patient uses it, the data from the inhaler associated with its use gets itself appropriately sent to the cloud, whereby business models can be effectively used to track adherence, compliance, and persistence of the patient. So healthcare is often a laggard industry in terms of adoption of new technology or new, new best practices, so to speak. Uh, is the 5G a phenomenon here going to accelerate uh, uh, some of this adoption of digital technology that may be somewhat uh, slow in, in uptake? Yeah, we're trying to skate to where the puck will be. And I think uh, 5G, again, it's something that's sort of still being rendered out there, still being developed. But the aspects of 5G that have to do with the proliferation of the Internet of Things are very much part and parcel of the vision of connected healthcare that we see and that we're working towards. So they don't want to mention connected drugs or connected medical devices or better yet disposable connected solutions as disposable as the drugs themselves or as disposable as the band-aids or other types of you know, sort of uh, in vitro diagnostic devices for example. That's a plethora of things and that's right up the alley of 5G. Those aspects of 5G, I think, are very much in line with our approach to health. You mentioned latency. What's the significance there on, on the B2B, uh, B2B enterprise uh, facing efforts? Sure. Latency that's being promised by 5G on the order of a millisecond or so, which is about 50 times less than the 4G latency at the moment, uh, has commercial uses in things like, for example, remote, control, remote uh, surgery or other data critical or time critical data that might come from patients. So for example, remote surgery, that's a self-evident example. If a doctor is doing surgery from a distance via a robot, obviously you want it to happen with very short latency. If you're alternatively, for example, doing a diagnostic solution whereby the, the um, some kind of a life critical event is being detected. You want that also to be communicated with very low latency, especially uh, if there's also a feedback loop that somehow uh, activates or actuates a response, some kind of uh, improvement in healthcare based on uh, based on a device. So latency plays a role in that for certain. This digital health or M health movement that may be six, seven years old. Um, looks like it's poised for some major expansion based on improving technology and scale. Um, what do you see as enablers and some of the headwinds uh, for the progress you want to see from where we are today to two to five years out? I think one of the main enablers that maybe as was not as evident like 10 years ago is the fact that all patients are now data consumers in every other aspect of their life besides healthcare. As I often say, you know, we are cyborgs, part man, part machine. We all carry smartphones with us. A large chunk of who I am, who you are, is locked up in that box that you carry in your pocket or in your purse. So that alone changes the nature of the entity that's being communicated via as part of a healthcare business deployments. And companies like Qualcomm, of course, created that, you know, so you've got, you know, billions of chips sent every year, sent out every year that go into smartphones of patients. So that's one. The other one is the constant reduction of cost as a function, as a, um, as it pertains to the features. So as we go forward, our phones become much more functional and the cost, you know, associated with, you know, some underlying elements that's inside of your technology keeps going down. So uh, it's kind of a kind of a broader sense of Moore's law. You know, more functionality per some critical subunits of of the offering. So that's. Uh, 
the needs in healthcare are pretty much the same ones. You still want to deliver a lot of value at a very at a low enough cost, low enough to render things like disposable solutions, which is the mainstay of the health industry, and uh, and other solutions such as um, you know ones that are, for example, rendered very broadly so that uh, a multitude of patients can be can be. Uh, uh, can can be treated simultaneously, and uh, particularly in a in a in a matter that's um, you know very triaged and very exception based, so that it can be very intelligently done. So here at the Jacobs uh, Center for Wireless uh, Center for Wireless Communications at the Jacobs School of Engineering at UCSD, Jacobs is a name one often associates with the company called Qualcomm. I'm just wondering, what does that say or does it mean anything relative to private industry academic partnerships in advancing uh, this, this industry forward? So, first of all, we work with UCSD and other academic institutions, I guess, in a number of ways. One is that many of them have medical schools and medical centers, and they're simply customers of ours. They, they use our technology in their own deployments, and we're very happy to see that because oftentimes universities are often at the forefront of certain use cases. You know, for example, when it comes to a predictive analytics and uh, and large data streaming and things like that, they have a little bit more uh, of an appetite for going to some corner of the market and real and trying to figure out if there's something there. So that's one aspect. The other one is, of course, we do cl- work closely with the engineering school and with other uh, academic institutions. We, uh, I, I, for one, you know, I'm in contact with a lot of professors to kind of keep an eye on their technologies, keep an eye on their uh, developments and deployments. That's one of the reasons I'm here today. Um, you know, so I come. I myself come from an academic background many moons ago, and um, and realized that a subset of the particularly uh, profound developments have a good, good chance of coming from a university environment. And where are you most excited about? And where do you see the the biggest headwinds here? The healthcare markets have often been sometimes called, um, you know, late adopters of technology or maybe a little bit technophobic. That's not entirely accurate. I believe there was a great uh, article about that in the Wall Street Journal about a decade ago, which basically it said that it's not that they're late adopters, that they're adopters of complete solutions. So if you will, the headwinds sometimes can come from us, you know, the developers of products that need to be as complete as possible in order for them to be adopted as a sort of a no-brainer in an invisible, in a highly, um, in a matter that just basically obviates any possible barriers to entry.